I'm Nikita Zoo. This is Shotgun Tanner Connell. Absolute pleasure to be here on the Punch Podcast. My message is messaging. Mate, where are you? <laughs> oh my god, podcast. Hey, this is Eddie Hearn on the Punch Podcast. Hey, episode 16, you got Jabin. This is the Punch Podcast. Welcome to it. Since we last spoke, Australia's got a new world champion. A huge congrats to Jai Opataya defeating Marius Bredis on the Gold Coast. Turning that convention centre into a madhouse while he fought for 12 rounds and 10 of those with a broken jaw. If you've seen those scans, oh my God. But what a victory and a huge congrats. Another boxer who's going to be world champion soon, we know that. Jason Maloney joins the Punch Podcast today. Now, he's had a great career, 24-2, and two, signed by Top Rank, so a lot of his latest action has been over in the States through COVID. But you might remember his last fight. He was the undercard to George Cambosis and Devin Haney at Marvel Stadium, so I'm dying to find out what it's like to fight in a packed house at Marvel. That would be something else as a boxer, wouldn't it? Well, let's just not wait around. Let's just shut up and get him on. Jason Maloney, welcome to the Punch Podcast. Thanks, Heath, for having me on, mate. Appreciate it. I mean, you've been going from strength to strength. I saw a post the other day pop up to say uh, you are officially number one in the WBO and WBC. That's pretty good. Yeah, very happy, mate. Um, obviously, the goal for me is to become world champion. So to know that I'm so close to achieving that dream, uh, yeah, it's very exciting, mate. And um, can't wait to, to have that opportunity and to have that world title around my waist. Well, hopefully that opportunity comes for you pretty soon. Your last performance against Aston Polite there, wow, you fought very, very well. And what a venue. <laughs> Close to 50,000 Marvel Stadium. That would have been magic. Oh, absolutely, mate. Um, Yeah, I've said before, that really was a dream come true. Um. I'm obviously a Melbourne boy and then grew up in Melbourne and, and a big fan of football. So, you know, I remember going to games back in the day and just sitting in that stadium thinking how incredible would it be to, to one day fight in the stadium like this. So, yeah, to actually go out there and, and fight, you know, in my hometown in front of 40,000 people in the middle of Marvel Stadium was, uh, yeah, an absolute dream come true. And then obviously to walk away with such an impressive win and, and such a, a giant leap towards, you know, becoming world champion and to have the performance like that. Uh, yeah, it was it was probably one of the best moments of my life. So uh, it's certainly a day that I'll never forget. Wasn't it Festival Hall back in the day for Melbourne? That would have been the big one. And now it's, yeah. now it's 200 metres down the road at Marvel fitting in 50,000. It's, it's uh, yeah. It's come a long way to the sport, which is great. And you've been in the depths of it, both you and your brother. So for anyone listening that's not quite up to speed, Jason's got a twin brother, Andrew, who's equally as amazing. So to be able to go through a sport that they do call the lonely sport, boxing, to be able to at least have someone, something, that must be all right. Absolutely. I really think it is a massive advantage for myself and for Andrew to have each other as twins um, and a full-time, I guess, training partner and someone to push you along and force you to keep reaching new levels. I think because Andrew and I are so competitive over the years, having each other to sort of bounce off and to keep pushing each other. And, you know, if one gets the upper hand uh, one day, then the other one's really itching to get to get that revenge. And um, we've really spurred each other on. And um, I really think it's been a massive advantage for us being twins and, and both competing, uh, you know, obviously as professional boxers. We really have helped each other get to where we are today um you know like you said it, it is a very lonely sport at times boxing um, you know i guess any individual sport would be very lonely at times but you know having my my twin that i can go to the gym with every single day or you know go for a run with every day or or even when we go away on training camps to america and you're away from your family for 
you know, eight, nine weeks at a time, it can get pretty lonely. And I think having your twin with you along the side and being with you sort of every step of the way really is a massive advantage. And it's um, it's something that I'm very grateful for. And I think it gives us a bit of the edge on the rest of the competition. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Did you have a conversation early on to choose which weight you guys are going to fight at so you're not in the same division or...? Yeah, early he's days got the he short did. straw, doesn't he? He's got to lose that extra kilo, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So early days we did. Um, these days it's, it's a bit more of a, a natural thing. But yeah, going back in the amateurs, way back to before the 2000 and, uh, 2010 Commonwealth Games in Delhi, uh, they changed the weight divisions around. And myself and Andrew both sort of fell into the same division. We're both going to try and compete at 52 kilos. But Obviously, we didn't want to be competing against each other and we wanted to give each other both an opportunity to represent our country at the game. So Andrew actually yeah, made the tough decision and said, look, I'm willing to try and get down to 49 kilos, which he hadn't done before and you know, knew it was going to take a lot of sacrifice to make. He said, I want, I'm going to go down to 49 so that you can take the 52 spot and I'll go 49 and then we can both go to the games. And yeah, it was pretty tough and a big sacrifice and, you know, it's something I'm very thankful that he did because it worked out well and we both got to represent our country at the 2010 Commonwealth Games. But watching Andrew, I guess, starve himself and, you know, he looked he looked very gaunt. You know, he, was, um, yeah, he was doing it pretty tough to make that weight. And uh, I remember him sort of training in a sweatsuit in the heat in Delhi trying to make the, the weight the day before and he almost passed out and, He's really putting himself and his body through a lot to, to get himself down to that, that lighter weight. But, you know, he, he did that, I guess, as a sacrifice for both of us. Uh, and it worked out. We both represented our country and, and went to the Commonwealth Games, which was, you know, a very special moment for us and our family. So it was a big sacrifice. Um, but, yeah, these days, um, him being a super flyweight and me a bantamweight, uh, I think maybe because he because he did starve himself, he he might have stunted his growth a little bit. <laughs> and, um, I had a little bit of a growth spurt, so I've got a I've got a few centimeters on him now, and naturally a little bit heavier uh, the way I walk around and the way he the way he walks around. Um, I probably couldn't make super flyweight, so it's a bit more of a, a natural thing now. But yeah, it, it was a decision that we had to make early days to obviously not compete against each other and. Both, um, I guess, have the have the opportunity to chase our own dream. I know Jamel and Jamal Charlo of obviously the other boxing twins. I know of. Is there any yeah. more? I can't remember or don't know of any more. Is there, Is it just used to? Um, at the moment, at the at the I guess elite level, I think yeah. it's just us two. There was the McDonald twins uh, from the UK, which who have both recently retired. Uh, they were good fighters, but. Yeah, I guess it's not very common to have uh, twins in the sport. But yeah, Charlo's certainly doing very well. And yeah, both world champions and, and certainly something that we're trying to achieve. Even having brothers in the same sport, like Tim and Nikita Zoo now, they don't spar each other. Do you guys fight? Yeah, we, we, we spar each other a lot. Um, early days, we, we used to spar pretty heavy and get pretty competitive against one another. Um, you know, our old trainer back in the day used to have to sort of tear us apart and get us to, you know, we'd be trying to take the gloves off and rolling around on the floor. We got uh, it got pretty heated, but these days we do spar each other, but it's just to help each other out. Um, being lighter guys in Australia, it can actually be pretty hard to get um, good quality sparring. So having each other there all the time, you know, just if you want to get some rounds in and, and keep your eye and and work on certain things. Um, it's really helpful. Yeah, we, we spar each other quite a lot. 
as we get closer to the fight, we um, bring in, I guess, different sparring partners that are probably more similar to our opponents and work on certain things uh, in terms of, you know, uh, I guess that's going to work against that specific fighter. But but in the meantime, um, yeah, me and Andrew spar each other a lot. And, yeah, it's great sparring. And, you know, it's something that I think is a very big advantage for us. Well, you've obviously uh, got victorious in your last fight at Marvel Stadium. And you did mention at the end of that you want to try and, fingers crossed, try and get a, another world title shot at the end of the year. Now, this would be your third attempt, which is third time lucky, as we know. I was looking at some stats. I don't know if you're across this. You probably are because you're at the top of your game. <laughs> but... Um, you fought Emmanuel Rodriguez October 2018. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, you fought Inui in October. Yep. And then would be October 22 when Cambosis and Haney are looking at going again. Is there yeah. a world title shot on the undercards to keep it all in unison? Oh, mate, that, that would be absolutely awesome if that could happen. Um, obviously, being in the number one position, um, we're sort of in the mandatory spot and, and that world title opportunity is going to come. Unfortunately, um, at the moment, I don't think it's going to happen in October. It uh, would be great. Yeah. But um, it looks as though Anui is going to have the undisputed fight against Paul Butler, who's a WBO champion from the UK. Um, so unfortunately, we might have to wait until that fight uh, happened. And then, well, if Anui wins, I, I believe he said he's going he's gonna to move up to the 122-pound division. Uh, which will leave all, all four or all five belts vacant. Um, so I may end up just fighting for for a vacant belt early next year um, against you know whoever's rated number two at the time. Um, but we just have to wait and see how it all plays out. I'd absolutely love if we could get you no know, bring Paul Butler out to Australia and, and fight on the on the undercard in October. But yeah, we just have to wait and see. Fingers crossed. And he very well might be Anui, and then you go for undisputed at Paul Butler, and that would be unbelievable. Yes, well, I don't see it happening, but it would be, <laughs> would be unbelievable. And, yeah, um, we are mate, talking about the pound for pound king. That's unbelievable yeah. that he is in your also in your weight class too. Because look, let's be honest, with your amazing record, twenty four and two, your, your two losses have come at world title opponents. So it's not like yeah, Kevin right. down the RSL who dabbles as a mechanic on the weekends. These are these. No. Are, these are the best, and Anui is in the top one or two, depending who you speak to, pound for pound. So yeah, that's right. Like, um, you know, as much as those those two losses do, you know, were devastating. It is, uh, I guess, uplifting a bit to know that I've only ever lost against undefeated world champions, and and one of them was a split decision, which could have gone my way, and the other one was against the pound for pound number one on the planet. So there's no doubt that I've been in there and had some hard fights, and. Um, I've also beaten some some good good level fighters, so it's very exciting the future, and you know very I guess exciting to be in the position I'm at where I'm world number one, and very close to be having that third opportunity um, at the world title, which like you said, third time lucky, yeah. and um, you know I need to make sure that I get it right this time. Not many not many fighters get four opportunities, so third time lucky, um, I will become world champion, and then. Um, look to start unifying and become undisputed. And, yeah, my plan and my goal is to stay at Bantamweight to win all the belts there and become the king of the division. Which is what's going to happen. We're visioning it. We can see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. going to happen. Uh, I it. just look forward to, because one thing that I did love in your last fight is uh, Jonathan Brown just walking out. Because I know Brownie quite <laughs> well. And the yeah. places he just pops up randomly, he knows everyone. Yeah. He's everyone's mate. So because he... 
like I'm just watching it and all of a sudden there he is with a flag, like Melbourne's tallest <laughs> guy <laughs> walking out of Bantamweight. Yeah. How do you know Brownie? <laughs> He's an absolute champion, <laughs> mate. So. Yeah, not surprising that uh, a lot of people know him and, and the mates of him. But yeah. um, he's very good friends with my coach, Angelo Hyder. They go back, way back, uh, yeah, been mates for years. And um, Angelo actually asked Brownie on his honeymoon if he'd carry the flag out for Victor Artinian, who was who was fighting over in America. Yeah. Uh, and Brownie happened to be over there on his honeymoon. And, yeah, that's where it all started. Brownie walked the out carrying the Aussie flag. And um, I guess... Yeah, it, it worked. So we, uh, we we invited him back and gave him the gig again. And yeah, nice. mate, it was awesome that Brownie in the change room and then obviously to carry out the flag and then obviously to be in the ring afterwards for the celebrations. It was awesome, yeah. mate. And um, yeah, well, uh, it worked. So yeah, <laughs> when we have the world title shot, Brownie will get the invite to carry the flag out again for sure. Oh, he's so amazing. He just never ceases to amaze me where his stories and his life just sort of goes. I remember one day <laughs> at Caulfield races, middle of spring racing, pre-COVID, millions of people, the race is finished. Good luck getting a cab, getting home. Like absolutely not going to happen. And then he, yeah. he's, hang on. I know a guy, and within five minutes, a 50-seater bus turns up out the back of Caulfield Races. <laughs> Six of us got on <laughs> and drove back to Melbourne in a bus, and I'm like, only Brownie can just whistle and a bus turns up. <laughs> and then just oh, to see him holding the uh, flag behind you, walking you out, I'm like, there goes the big fella once again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he pulls the strings. Uh, he's a legend, mate. He's a legend. And speaking of legends, your promoter, let's talk about him because he is a Hall of Famer promoter, Bob Arum, easily yeah. one of the biggest names in the business worldwide. How did he come about and how did you end up with Top Rank? Because that is obviously someone who can keep you busy and make world title stuff happen. They've got a lot of pull, those big guys. Yeah, well, that was it. We um, obviously started our career fighting a lot of our fights in Melbourne. Um, we had a great promoter in, in Lyndon Hoskin who helped us get, I guess, as far as we could get fighting at the local shows in Melbourne. And he was, you know, getting us right up the, I guess, the world rankings and, and getting us as far as we could uh, while we're here. And, you know, we had a great coach, we had a great manager, and we, we had a promoter who was, I guess, taking us as far as we could get fighting on the local scene. And we just were... We needed that powerhouse promoter who could give us the opportunities and, and uh, get us in the ring with, with I guess, the, you know, the best fighters in the world, which is very tough out in Australia. Obviously, without the TV deals that the, the bigger promoters have overseas, very hard for them to have the budget to put on the big fights and bring out, you know, the world, you know, the world champions and, the, and I guess, the world-rated fighters that you, that you want to be getting in the ring with and testing yourself against. So our promoter at the time had, had sort of taken us as far as he could and we were just hanging to get, I guess, the opportunity to be signed by one of the, the big promoters and it was always a dream for, for Andrew and I to be signed by Top Rank and Tony told you our manager, I guess, got us into the position where we were both very highly rated uh, across the sanctioning bodies and, you know, very close to fighting for world titles and Top Rank... Uh, checked us out and Tony had discussions with them and they obviously liked what they saw and, and thought that we uh, we could be a good good team. And, um, yeah, very, very grateful that Top Rank, I guess, took us on board and they've been like family to us. They've, they've treated us so well and obviously given myself and Andrew massive opportunities since we signed with them for the three years ago. And, uh, you know, I had the, had the big fight against Anui and we've both headlined shows even during the pandemic, we were headlining shows at the MGM in Las Vegas. So very grateful to um, be part of their team and for the opportunities they've given us. And, um, 
very excited as well for what's to come because I know that they're the right promotional team for us and they can give us the opportunities we want moving forward and, and hopefully uh, get myself and Andrew back into world title fights again and, and me and Andrew, Andrew and I can both become world champions very soon. Yeah, so, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, you can see your respect's definitely there. As soon as you won in Melbourne in your last fight, straight out the ropes and went and saw Bob. Like, yeah, instantly, yeah. yeah, and then straight back in the ring to get your belts. Which is yeah, well, which is yeah, which very is very grateful for um everyone that supports myself and my brother. Um, you know, obviously it is a, a single man sport, and you know you stay in the ring, get the the belt wrapped around your waist. But there's a lot of people that have helped us along the way, and I like to try and show my appreciation as much as I can. So yeah, it was great to have the top ranked guys in Australia. Hopefully, it's something that becomes a bit more common, and we can start bringing out these big fights to Melbourne and, you know, to Australia and more often and, and start showcasing all the skills and all the, you know, the great fighters that Australia has on offer at the moment. We're uh, we're going through a bit of a, a hot patch in uh, Australian boxing and we need these big shows to keep happening. Yeah, and one thing I do love about the sport and, and you in particular is, yes, you're a fighter, but you're also a big fan of boxing. That's yeah. that's what's yeah. cool. Like there are people that do it for the business side, but like you actually genuinely, you know, and there are many many that are like that. But for someone that is such a fan, and you are booked on a card in MGM, to me that's the mecca. <laughs> like, yeah. that's where I've that's yeah. where you that's the Tyson's the, the you know what I mean. Like that to me yeah. is in yeah. Vegas. That's the there's so much nostalgia in that place. Yeah, was it pretty Definitely. awesome to see yourself on a card there? Oh, it was unbelievable, mate. And, yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan of boxing, like you said. And, uh, you know, I, I hear about different fighters these days say things like, you know, I don't watch much boxing or I'm not really a big fan of boxing and things like that. And I think that's crazy. I, I think you need to be extremely passionate about what you're doing. And if you're not passionate about it, I, I don't see how you can reach your full potential. So I'm a, I'm a massive fan of boxing. I live and breathe the sport and, and watch a lot of boxing um, you know, when I'm away from it, when I'm not fighting myself or training, I'll, I'll watch a lot of boxing. Love the sport. Um, my promoter that I spoke about earlier, Lyndon Hoskin, actually took myself and Andrew over to America in, I think it was 2015. And um, he took us just to get us over there and, I guess, feel what it's like on that big stage. Like you said, uh, Las Vegas or the MGM, like the mecca of boxing. He took us over there just to see what it was like and, I guess, give us the, uh, I guess, the motivation and the drive to reach that level um, and I remember he took you know got me and Andrew to stand there and, and pose in front of the MGM and took a photo and sort of said at the time you know this is where you guys will be fighting one day and all that sort of stuff and at the time of course you're, you're optimistic and you hope that that eventually ends up happening but you know fast forward to you know last year it's actually myself and Andrew to be headlining at the MGM was just incredible and you know, all the years of hard work to get to that level and along the way you have your ups and downs and doubt whether you actually ever achieve that, that dream or, or, you know, reach that level. So, yeah, to actually be there and, and headlining your own shows at the MGM was just, yeah, just couldn't believe it. It was a dream come true and hopefully we'll have a lot of fights there to come in the future. Yeah, I was watching the other day a replay, uh, which I guess no one really likes to talk about a loss, but the one versus Nui in yeah. middle of COVID where there's no one there, yeah. do you almost wish you got to have that fight with a crowd? Like, it's just an atmosphere yeah. issue? Yeah, definitely. Um, when we were offered the fight against the Nui, you know, obviously I knew it was during COVID and there was, wasn't going to be a crowd. Um, you know, I probably didn't get paid the money I, I deserved for that fight. 
you know, because of that situation. I also was booked in to get hand surgery before that fight, but knew that if I had hand surgery, I wouldn't get the fight against the Nui. So there was a lot of things that I guess worked in my favour going up to that fight, but I just wanted the opportunity. I thought if I knock back this fight against the Nui now, uh, that opportunity may never come again. And, you know, he might, what he's doing now, become undisputed and move up to the next weight division and keep going through his career. And I'll sit back in five, ten years' time, I think, geez, you know, what would have happened if I had have taken that fight and fought Anui? And even though I didn't get the result I wanted, I'm still proud that I stepped up and took the opportunity and I guess dared to be great and fought the pound-for-pound best fighter on the planet. And, yeah, although circumstances going into that fight weren't ideal, um, I still, yeah, I'm still proud that I, I took the shot. I'm hopeful that one day I'll get an opportunity to fight him again, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, at the moment, my goal is just to become world champion, but, um, yeah, we'd absolutely love the opportunity to fight him again with a crowd and with two good hands uh, <laughs> and with a bit more yeah, a bit more experience under my belt. I'd, I'd love that challenge again, but we'll just have to wait and see. Gee, you mentioned before about the sport and it's going through a bit of a boom. Did you watch Jai Apatia's world title fight the other night? Yeah. Certainly did, mate. What a what an incredible performance by Jai. Very very exciting to see Aussies doing so well, and so many of them starting to to win world titles. And you know, quite a few of us now rated number one, and and on the verge of having those world title fights. So yeah, mate, an absolutely incredible performance by Jai. And to go through what he had to go through, with, you know, obviously with the broken jaw, and you show how bad he wanted it, and to get his hand raised and to become champion of the world and you know to beat the number one cruiserweight on the planet uh yeah sensational performance and yeah very very exciting and and motivating for us other fighters to watch watch another another aussie another countryman do something like that was incredible i saw his jaw was completely destroyed have you had any issues like that in the past where something's broken or gone real bad in the fight and you either got to a hide it because you don't want your opponent to know or or just they know and you've got to defend with it. Have you had that? Well, no, touch wood. I haven't um, had any jaw problems or anything like that. I did, um, as I spoke about before, I did, um, well, I didn't break my hand, but I, I tore the, the, the main tendon in my right hand in my fight against Leonardo Baez when I, when I did headline the show at the MGM. Um, I hit him sort of on top of the head with my right hand sort of halfway through the fight and yeah I, I knew I'd certainly done something wrong I didn't know if it was broken or turned out it was a tendon that was snapped but with all the adrenaline going during the fight honestly I just I knew I'd done something but I didn't know exactly how bad it was and I didn't feel it too bad during the fight I just kept throwing it and kept landing it and every now and then would think oh that didn't tickle but um it was sort of once the fight was over once you take the gloves off once the adrenaline wears off that's when it yeah the pain really started to set it in and it, I'm sure it would have been probably similar for Jai. No doubt he was going through a lot of pain, but I, I think once the adrenaline wore off, uh, once he got out into the change rooms, I think the pain would, would have really started to set in. And um, yeah, I can't imagine the sort of pain he was going through. But um, yeah, incredible to fight through such a such an injury, and well, you know, so good to see him actually win the win the fight as well with with you know such bad damage to his jaw. Yeah, and a new world champ for Australia, which is good. I was looking at some names, and if everything was to fall in our favour right across the board. Like Australia, by the end of the year, like Jai Opataya, fingers yep. crossed George Cambosis could do Haney again if that can happen, if he can get over the line. If Tim Zoo can beat Charlo, um, even yep. Zarafa might even be a chance to have that IBF middleweight one with Falcao if that happens. Ebony Bridges over yep. in the UK, obviously now, but she's got a world yep. title. You've got 
Paro and Liam Wilson all sniffing around yep. the top. So, like, yep. it's, that's, that's, pretty, right. that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And then, yeah, Shanika Johnson's another world champion at the moment. Obviously, yep. me and Andrew are both chomping at the bit to get, yeah. get our opportunities and become world champions. So, yeah, like you said, so many guys and girls right at the top level of the sport at the moment. Um, just awesome. So good to be a part of it and, and so good to see. And hopefully the rest of the country really starts getting behind the sport and, and backing us all and the sport can just boom and get the attention and the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how everything goes with uh, a match room and when Eddie Hearn and stuff come over and start putting shows in because it looks to me like their business model isn't that $60 pay-per-view for every fight. It looks like they're trying to make it a little bit more accessible. So I'll be... Uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's awesome. It's great to have them coming over here and... You know, having another great promoter like them over here putting on shows is, is only going to lift the bar and, and, you know, keep the sport growing and keep the sport getting better. So, no, it's very exciting and, yeah, looking forward to seeing what they can do. It's great to see the, the match-up that they're bringing to the, to the first card in uh, Paro and, and um, Brock, Jarvis, uh, yeah, yeah. Brock Jarvis. It's very, very exciting fight. So, yeah, they've, uh, they've certainly started with a bang. How does that one finish for you? What are you thinking for Paro and Jarvis? <laughs> I honestly don't know, mate. It, um, so I was pretty shocked when I saw the fight announced. Um, yeah. Obviously, Paro sitting number one. Um, you know, he's in the prime position for a world title, and then he, he takes on a pretty risky fight against Jarvis, who hasn't actually fought at this weight yet. But I really rate Jarvis, and I I, I really excited to see how he goes against an operator like Paro. Honestly, can't pick. I'd have to sit on the fence. I know you'd yeah. <laughs> like me to pick a winner and have a prediction, but honestly, don't know how the fight's going to go. It's just going to be great to see such a great fight. And as I said, it's you know great the match room is kicking off their shows in Australia with with a really exciting main event like that one. I think that's the exciting part that we all will probably be on the fence. Like if we all knew, then yeah. what's the exciting part? The fact that we don't know who's going to win. And they've both yeah, and got opportunity a, to get it. That's that's what we want. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a you know good clash of styles where you know Parrot is a pretty classy for you know very good sort of out long and and you know you know Jarvis is strong and going to try and get on his chest and put that pressure on and throw a lot of volume. So it's a real good clash of styles and very exciting fights. I'm looking forward to watching. When you do your research on a fighter, say someone like Brock Jarvis, you just know that your ribs are going to be in for a hell of a day. <laughs> like, what do you, what, like, how do you prepare for that? Because you know, like you've said, he's just going to have his head on your chest and just punch your absolute guts in. What do you do? Yeah, yeah. Keep the elbows tucked in and, just, and don't wear too many of them on the ribs or, yeah. or let too many of them sneak through. But, um, yeah, I mean, of course, he'll, he'll have some good phone partners coming in who are going to try and pressure him and, and work his body. But I think Paro just needs to sort of keep it out long a little bit and, and pick him off coming in. But it's going to be very interesting because that, uh, that style's been so good for Jarvis over the last couple of years. But um, he's always been the much bigger man in the ring and, and really sort of been out of out muscle and out strength his opponents. But it's going to be great to see how he goes moving up to this new division. Um, he just looks huge. And the photos I've seen of him recently, he's certainly gone through a big growth spurt. So, yeah, it's going to be great to see how he can perform at this division. Um, I'm just yeah, expecting a great fight. Yeah. What's the rest of the year hold for you while you wait to see where the cards fall? Do you Will you know pretty soon about this next option, whether or not the young disputed happens at Bantamweight and then you wait and fight someone else? Or if it's, what are you planning? Uh, for me, it's just getting back in the gym straight away. Um, you know, I already trained this morning. I'm always working just to get better and get better. As I said, I know my opportunity for the world title is just around the corner. So, I want to make sure that I'm 110% ready when that opportunity comes. 
I believe, um, as I said, we're not too sure what's happening with the champions in the division at the moment, but I believe I'll be fighting uh, in October, most likely on that undercard of Cambosis and Haney. When that does happen, I'll be fighting regardless of whether it's for a world title or not. So if we could get a champion out here, that would be the dream. Um, if not, we'll just bring out the best available opponent we have, um, someone rated in the top five or so in the world. And just another good test, make sure, you know, a good test that it's that I can get through and then be 100% ready for that world title opportunity when it comes. Well, we look forward to seeing that. That's going to be great to see the rematch for those guys as well. And uh, look, I'm kind of hoping, I don't know, you might know a little bit more and I'm sure you've got embargoes all over it, but just venue-wise and stuff like that, I'm sort of hoping you can bring it to Sydney, sort of concentrate the venue a little bit more and just concentrate on getting a W. That's what I would be doing if I was George, but look, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to see that that's how it rolls, but we'll, we'll soon see. But it'll be great to see you in action again, and October's when you love to fight. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. That's it. No, I can't wait to get back out there and, yeah, to have two fights this year in Australia is awesome for me. Obviously, I haven't fought in Australia in, in uh, two and a half years before that last one, so very exciting to be fighting back on home soil and looking forward to putting on another great fight, which looks like it should be in October, but, yeah, still not confirmed, but... Hopefully it's for a world title and Australia will have another world champion again, which would be amazing. So, very exciting times. Uh, I'll be training hard to make sure I, I do us all proud. Well, I look forward to getting you back on the uh, Punch podcast when there is that opportunity for the world title. Yeah. And then, again, when you're holding the belt. There we go. Yeah. That's our lay of the land. <laughs> yeah, done, mate. Look forward to it. it I appreciate you having me on the show, mate. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the support. Well, what a chat. What a nice guy. Both him and his brother are amazing people. So if you need to get behind any Aussie boxes and you're looking to pick one, get on Jason Maloney. You can hit him up on Instagram, which is just, in fact, Jason Maloney on Instagram as well. He's going to have a great career. He will be world champion, and we will get him back here on the Punch Podcast when that is the case, when he's holding the straps. And fingers crossed, depending on how the cards fall, that he could be an undisputed champion as well, which we'd love to see. That is the Punch Podcast for today. We are almost about to enter fight week two for Nikita Zoo and Ben Horn at the Horden Pavilion, not too far away. Sam Goodman's on the undercard and on the Punch Podcast very soon and a couple of other fighters from that huge card that's coming thanks to the boys at No Limit once again. So keep it right here on the Punch Podcast and you won't miss a thing. But big thanks to Jason Maloney today. Subscribe, like, leave your comments, do what you got to do. Help us out here at the Punch Podcast and I'll see you next time. (laughs) 